Thank you for joining us here at John G. Lake Ministries and Dominion Life Church for another inspired teaching from God's Holy Scriptures by Curry Blake. We expect that this teaching will encourage, challenge, and strengthen you in your life. Now, may the eyes of your understanding be enlightened to know what the hope of His calling is for you. Without further delay, enjoy the teaching. Well, sounds like Jesus has been busy. Running all over the place getting stuff done. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, we are going to get right into the Word because we want to get to communion today. But we also want to get into why we're doing communion. Right? So we're going to go through some scriptures very quickly. And the first one we're going to go to is going to be in Numbers. The book of Numbers. It's amazing to me how many people, you know, here's something. If people, um, well, you know, uh, this is all, I'm trying to say it's nice. Um, <laughs> let me say it this way. You never hear this from a big church. Okay? You always hear it from a small church, and usually it might even show a little bit of jealousy against the big churches. Because they always say, well, you know, God, God, you know, those big churches, but God ain't into the numbers. <laughs> he wrote a whole book called Numbers. <laughs> and, and if we're going to save the world, that's a pretty big number. <laughs> Amen. So, I mean, it's not about how big a local church is, obviously, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, and how big a church is doesn't mean that's how pure the word is that's being preached there. Remember saying, on the other hand, don't negate what God is doing because just because, like you see in Ephesus, you see in one place at one time over 100,000 people gathered together. You see churches, that local bodies that come together and form the church. And so it could be a small group, two or three gathered in his name, or two or three hundred thousand. Who knows? You know, It's not about the actual number itself. It's about people. But the more people you get together or the more people you can influence through the message of the Word of God, that, that God appreciates that more because the point is to get to more people. Amen? Amen? So here in the book of Numbers, go with me to chapter 21 because I want to, again, just prove to you and emphasize uh, for a few minutes here about healing in Jesus' physical atonement, his redemption, what he did, and that there is physical healing in it, not just spiritual healing, not just getting saved in the sense of eternal salvation. We're not, you know, we're not demeaning that by any stretch either, but why, why you know, appropriate half of what he's got for you? Why not take the full benefit, right? And so in Numbers chapter 21, starting in verse 4, it says, and they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. And notice, against God and Moses. And here's what they said. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread, which was the manna that they were eating, basically. So, now notice this. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Now, let me explain this because people say, oh, see, God did this, right? You have to realize God, okay, the, let's say, for example, the government, the government, the court system, does not put anyone in jail. 
the people put themselves there by committing a crime. Now, I'm not saying our justice system is perfect and all that. I'm not saying, but I'm saying in a perfect system, the way it was organized to work, the government only validated, listen carefully, they validate what the person did. And then they match the punishment with the crime. That's the way it's supposed to work, all right? So you can't blame a judge for putting a person in prison if the person committed a crime. The person did it. Can we agree on that? Okay. Now, God put laws into effect. One of those laws is the law of sowing and reaping, right? Now, we know that we have been made free in Christ and that the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. But now notice, it's being in Christ that sets you free from the law of sin and death, or the law of death because of sin. Does that make sense? Now, what, what, what it's saying is this. God put into effect laws because of his righteousness, and because he put those laws in, if you violate those laws, he's not doing that to you. You do it to yourself. Does that make sense? So when these people rebelled against God because that was not just and is not legal, then these fiery snakes come out, but it says the Lord sent, and it, it says the Lord sent it, so I'm not saying he didn't. I'm saying he was upholding his justice because these people were all, were all under the law of sin and death. Do you get that? So people go, well, but I'm afraid God's going, okay, that shouldn't be you. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death, right? What that means is he delivered us from our sins, so quit sinning, Right? I say, well, that's not possible. Sure it is. Sure it is. Why? Have you sinned already today? I mean, come on. What, what have you done? Has somebody stole something? Can you, let me ask this. Can you, can you not help yourself? You know, can you not, uh, you go into a store, you can't help yourself. You got to steal something. I mean, we're just talking about the Ten Commandments basic, right? Uh, do you have to, you know, uh, covet your neighbor's goods? No, you don't have to. It's a choice, right? And the, the spirit of life in Christ makes it actually easier for you to make the right choice. Amen? So, anyway, I'm just, I wanted you to understand when it says the Lord sent fiery serpents, I don't want people to go, oh, well, that's what's happened to me. My sickness is the Lord sent this fiery serpent on me, and it's that sickness. That is not true, right? That God doesn't do that. You violate the law, things will come upon you. God takes responsible or responsibility because he put the laws in motion, but he had no other choice. He's just. He had to put the laws in motion, but you violate the laws, so you get the benefit of it, sowing and reaping. Amen? Are we, are we good? Okay. okay, you didn't get into fear over this verse, right? Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay. Then he says, now watch. <clears throat> the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Now, now, look, they've spoken against God and against Moses, so now they're going to the person they have sinned against, one of them, Moses, and they said, pray unto the Lord. So now they sinned against him, but now they're asking him to pray for them. See, God has a good way of vindicating people. Amen? It's amazing. We've had people actually do some of that kind of stuff to us, say things, that kind of stuff, and then they end up having to come to us for prayer. It's amazing how God, you know, it's like, okay, be careful what you say. Because, you know, as like I told my daughter one time, make your words sweet. You may have to eat them. <laughs> you know, so, all right. And pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent. 
and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looks upon it, shall live. How many? Everyone. everyone. So everybody that got bit, when they looked at the, at the serpent on the pole, they got healed. Is that right? Okay, now, now go with me. Well, actually it says here, Moses made a serpent of brass, put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Right? So there's the result of it. Now, now go with me over to John. Going to John chapter 3. John 3, we're going to start in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Then came, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Now that shows the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. He didn't say, I know. He said, we know. The Pharisees knew he was from God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? <clears throat> or can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily. He says that twice. Now he's talking to a leader of the religious leaders in Israel, and every time he starts talking to him, he says, Verily, verily. It's like him saying, Listen to me. Listen. I'm serious. Right? <clears throat> I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, and you, and you hear the sound thereof, but can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone that's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Are you a master of Israel, and you don't know these things? Verily, verily, there he is again. I say unto you, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and, we re and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as, listen to this, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, this is Numbers 21 he's referring to, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So now Jesus is comparing himself to the serpent on the pole. Do you get that? He said, oh, that's horrible. He shouldn't be the serpent. He's the Son of God. No, no, no. He had to become sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Okay that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already." because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth 
cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Amen? Do you see the correlation between the serpent on the pole under Moses and Jesus lifted up on the cross, right? He is comparing himself to them. <clears throat> now, what that means is, if he is comparing himself to that serpent on the pole when he was lifted up, then we also have to see what happened and what the result was when the serpent was lifted up. When the serpent was lifted up, every man that was bitten, that looked upon it, was healed. When Jesus is lifted up, I can tell you now, every man has been bitten and is in sin, and, and that sin has brought about sickness. Romans chapter 5 tells us <clears throat> that death entered the world through sin, and death comes normally through uh, sickness or disease, and that's the beginning of death in most cases. And so that falls into that category. Now, <clears throat> so if we look at, <clears throat> excuse me, if we look at the, um, at what, at the serpent on the pole and the results, and Jesus compared himself to that, we have to look at Jesus and see the results. So every person that looks to Jesus should be healed and or saved. Both. Do you get that? Okay. Now, just to prove this. Now watch this. One more, one more point. Go with me to Matthew <clears throat> chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When he was come down from the, from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. <clears throat> and Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man. Now watch what he tells him. But go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now you hear Jesus told him, go show yourself to the priest and offer, make the offering that Moses commanded. Now, if you go back, go with me to Leviticus. I know we're bouncing around. <clears throat> go to Leviticus chapter 14. <clears throat> In the first five books of the Bible, uh, Obviously, sin is revealed and shows how it is, but then God gives out the rules and says, all right, if it's this sin, do this. If it's that problem, do this. And he, he tells them through the law how to uh, solve problems, right? That's a very general statement. But in Leviticus chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 1. <clears throat> and the Lord said unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest. And the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper, then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean, and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel. The bird, one of the birds, two birds. One bird is going to be killed in an earthen vessel. Okay? <clears throat> Over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed. Over the running water. So do you get the picture? Two birds, you take one, in the, you put it in this earthen vessel, you kill it. The blood comes out. Then you take these other things, hyssop, cedar, and all this, and you take that, and you take the living bird, and you dip the living bird in the blood of the bird that died. Now watch. 
and he shall sprinkle upon him, that is, to be cleansed from the leprosy, seven times. So now he's going to sprinkle this blood of this bird seven times. What is that doing? That's connecting the person with the dead bird with the living bird. Do you see that? <clears throat> and shall pronounce him clean. And shall let the living bird loose into the open field. Right? And then it tells what he's to go and do after that. Now, <clears throat> notice this. Jesus tells this leper, you're cleansed. Now go to the priest, show the priest, take the offering. What does he do? He takes the two birds. They go in there. The priest looks at him and goes, yep, you're clean. So we're going to kill the bird, and we're going to take the living bird, dip it in there, and then we're going to sprinkle you with it, and then we're going to take the living bird, and you throw it up in the air, and it flies off. Now, that is a type and shadow of Jesus because he was killed so that we can live. We have to be under his blood. It was his blood. So he is killed and we are set free. Do you get that? Specifically dealing with physical healing. Leprosy. Do you see that? So the, the type and, and shadow in the Old Testament was for the healing of the physical body to be connected to the atonement of one dying for another. Do you see that? All right, now, all right. Now, go with me to 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> now, you should take this and study this out. It's only five different references there <clears throat> because you need to see this for yourself, study it out. <clears throat> and I, I, I would dare say, if you go through every other healing that Jesus did and then find out what he did, what he said, how he did certain things, and then go back and find that same type of ailment in the Old Testament under the law, uh, you will find that what Jesus did was a perfect representation of healing in the atonement of what he was going to accomplish. Right? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 23. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and he says, <clears throat> For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament, New Covenant, in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now notice the first time he says this, he said the Lord's, the, the body, and you'll be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But here he says, if you do this unworthily, it's because you do not discern the Lord's body. He doesn't say the Lord's blood. So he's emphasizing, right? <clears throat> when he said, take this bread, he said, take, eat. This is my body, my body, broken for you. Now, <clears throat> throughout history, I've heard people preach this and teach these things, and I, I understand why. And then when they get to the part about discerning the body, they always say, now see, that's, that means you have to discern the body of Christ. And that's the church. Okay? Well, the body of Christ is the church, but Jesus wasn't referring to that on the night of his betrayal. He was referring to his physical body, 
which was broken for us because the church has never been broken for us. His physical body was broken for us. And Jesus said, this is my body. And he was referring to that bread, which is broken for you. And he said, take and eat. Then he took the cup and he said, take it. This is my blood, right? And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. And every time you drink it, you're remembering me. So the key to the Lord's communion is to be able to eat that bread and drink that cup, remembering him and what he did and that this was his body broken for you. His blood was poured out for your salvation from sin and his body was ripped and torn and beaten so that you could receive physical healing because by his stripes you were healed. Do you see this? So healing, physical healing of the body is in the Lord's table. Right? This is one of the ways. Now this was written to the carnal Corinthian church so it is a way even, even for carnal Christians to be healed. Now, you don't have to be carnal to get healed this way. You can be spiritual, which is good. But either way, if you need healing, you can get it through the Lord's table. Amen? Now, let's read a little bit further on. Proving this. He says, <clears throat> uh, verse 30, for this cause. What cause? Not discerning the Lord's body. You got that? Not 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 discerning the Lord's blood. He said, for this cause, not discerning the Lord's body. In other words, if you don't discern the Lord's body, he said, if you eat and drink unworthily, what does that mean? That means if you do it without knowing why you're doing or the effect of it or why you're, you know, the purpose of it, that is drinking it unworthily because you're not, you're not discerning his body and you're not saying, this is why I'm doing this. So when you don't know why you're doing it, you're doing it unworthily. But when you know why, now you're doing it worthily. You got that? But if you drink it unworthily, or if you partake of it unworthily, now you are not discerning the Lord's body. If that's the case, here's what you will see. <clears throat> For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, which means they have died prematurely. Now, let me ask you this. If what the church has taught, that the church is the body of Christ. Now, again, the, the church is the body of Christ. But in reference to this, it was a physical body of Christ that, that we're talking about. And this represents his physical body that was broken for you. Do you get that? Okay. Now, this, this hadn't been magically changed into flesh up here. Okay. As some denominations teach that this miraculously becomes the actual flesh of Jesus. Okay. If that were true, we could not partake because it would be cannibalism. Right. And there are laws against that. And so this is representative of his body. The juice does not become, you know, O positive or whatever it is of the blood of Jesus. It's not that. It is representative. <clears throat> and so you can partake of it. Why, do, why did he send this to the carnal Corinthians? Because carnal people need a physical thing to touch or happen that they can go, this happened at this time because I did this or this happened. Amen? <clears throat> so this was established so that you could do something with a physical thing and you can say, by his stripes, I am healed. Eat it. Done in Jesus' name. With his blood, I am free in Jesus' name. Amen. I receive remission of sin. Everything that is. You see that. So that was specifically written to the Corinthians because they were carnally minded. Now again, just because you do it this way doesn't mean you're carnally minded because we are told to remember his death until he comes. So it's good that we do that. All I'm saying is that that's why he did the physical representation so that you can have a time and a place and everything set that you received your healing. You can, you can do that when you eat that bread, 
drink that juice, you can say at this point, I know for a fact I was healed because he said that if I do this like this, I can receive my healing and you can receive it at that moment. Now, here's the thing. If the church has been, the body of Christ over centuries, has been teaching it wrong, because according to this, if you do it right, you're supposed to get healed when you take it. And it says if you don't do it right, that's why many are weak, sickly, and die prematurely. Is that what we see in the church? Is the church still weak, sick, and dying prematurely? Then that means that the church still hadn't recognized why they're doing it. As, and you're not recognizing why you do it if somebody tells you, well, now you've got to discern the body of Christ. And if you have ought against your brother, you need to go to them right now and go apologize before you take this cup. You don't need, don't participate if you've got anything against anybody. Well, that's it's real convenient, except for the fact that the entire body of Christ and who you may have ought against may not be here. Right? Which is another reason why it proves that this is not referring to that being the body of Christ and you going to them. This has to do between you and God. This is his body broken for you, and you can receive healing, physical healing, and you can receive spiritual freedom from sin. And as a matter of fact, I will throw this in. We, we have seen tremendous miracles, literal miracles, tumors disappearing, a goiter completely disappeared in the process of taking communion, right? And people screaming out and all kinds of things because they got healed and disappeared like that. And so we've seen these things. Now, in ministering, the, the, the Lord's table to people, we need to recognize why we're doing it. Amen? Because when you recognize why you're doing it, you're not doing it unworthily. But if you don't know why you're doing it, you are doing it unworthily. So we need to make sure why we're doing this. Now, <clears throat> here he says, uh, yeah, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. So if we see that in the church, we know we're not doing it right. Because this by itself, there should be nobody uh, sick after you partake of the Lord's table. Okay, if you, now here's the thing. If you don't believe that physical healing is in, this, in the Lord's table and in Jesus' physical atonement or physical redemption, why do you eat the bread? Everybody knows why we drink the, the, the juice. That's the blood. By his sins are, but if there's no physical healing, why do we need the bread? See, Jesus did two things at his crucifixion or at, at his passion, as they would call it during that time. He went to the whipping post and he went to the cross. The whipping post and the cross. These two things. Do you get that? And so, now here's the other thing. If you, when you eat the bread, you can receive your healing right then and say, this is done. You can drink the juice and say, I know right now, all of my sins at this moment, they are forgiven and I am clean before God and I am right with him. Now, here's a little added bonus. If you're in that position, the minute you drink the juice, immediately ask for that thing you've been praying about that you hadn't received yet because you know there's nothing between you and God that would stop it from coming. And receive and believe and receive right then. Amen? Just throwing that in there. You don't have to, but you can. Amen? Because you're free and you know you're free and you know there's nothing there. Because too often, one of the reasons prayer is not answered is because you'll ask but then you'll think but what if he remembers this thing I did what if I did this I'm not like I should be I'm not as perfect as I should be and you got that thing and now you're wavering because you're thinking God won't give you what you've asked for but if you partake of the juice you should know right then you are cleansed and there is nothing there so you can ask quick <laughs> but before you mess it up again <laughs> okay amen all right <clears throat> so is there any question that physical healing 
was included in the redemption of Jesus. Because I've showed you both from Scripture yesterday, but also even this morning, even in using just one example of leprosy to prove how every healing, even in the Old Testament, was representative of Jesus' coming redemption. Every one of them. Amen? See, this is why I'm so solid in this. I've studied these things out. I've gone back in. I, I've spent years, not just hours, but years, going back in and proving it. And I'm telling you, every reason that people give for failure, for healing, or for anything else like that, we have disproved and we have proven the truth that God wants you well. Amen? Amen. Why does he want you well? Because well workers work harder than sick ones. And he wants you to be a laborer in his field. Amen? Amen. So we are going to participate in communion. Yes, ma'am? Yes, ma'am? Yes, ma'am? Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can, or you can actually receive healing and, and deliverance. Not just healing, but deliverance. Listen, all oppression, all oppression is contained in these two elements. You understand? The freedom from it, I should say. And so anything. Now, and that's a, that's a good point, because just as Courtney said a while ago, whenever you are freed, the enemy comes immediately, it says. He doesn't wait. Why? Because he knows the longer he waits, the more you get used to being free and the harder it is for him to come back in. But the sooner he comes, the more likely you are to go, well, I guess I didn't get it. And then you'll receive it. So the key is that to know that you, once you're free, once that command has been given, then you can set because he's going to come immediately to steal that word that was put into your heart, which the word, the healing, the, the life of Jesus, it's all the same thing. Yes. Oh, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. No, any, anything you feel. Listen, don't. And we hear people all the time. <clears throat> you know, I've been having this go on for two weeks. I'm going to go to the doctor and find out what it is so I'll know what to pray against. No, no. D- don't wait. <clears throat> if you don't feel right, hit it. You don't have to know what it is. You don't have to know the name. You don't have to do any of that stuff. If you don't feel right, let it go. Tell it to go. Don't let it back in. Go after it. Don't let it get a foothold. Hit it as soon as you notice it. As soon as you notice something isn't right, go after that. Get Listen, <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent press into it. You have to attack this thing, get aggressive, go after it, and, and just get after it. Just go after it. Get, get la- go off by yourself if you have to. Get loud. Get aggressive. Get mean. Talk to the devil and tell him, you are not coming back in this house this, remember when we were talking about the two doves and they had to be killed, one had to be killed in the earthen vessel? This is that earthen vessel. We know that from Corinthians. It was showing that this bird was being killed in an earthen vessel. It's showing the physical freedom that Jesus wants you to have. He cares about your body. He said, lift up holy hands. Your hands are holy. Well, this body doesn't matter much. It's the spirit that counts. Uh, without the body, you're not here. <laughs> Right? So the body's kind of important, right? I mean, unless you just want to go quick, that's fine, but it's not God's will. Amen? And so he wants you to go after that thing. So you have a responsibility to cause your body to be responsive to the word of God, which means you have a responsibility to guard and keep your body and to, um, how can we say, um, well, just to guard it's the best word, I guess. That's 
really not another one, but to make sure that you are the one, you are responsible for your body. Technically, nobody else is responsible. Now, we're here to help. We're here to get you where you need to be, but your body is your responsibility to God. And he says that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now, just so you know, every sacrifice in the Old Testament had to be perfect and without spot or blemish. You couldn't bring a sick lamb and use it as an offering. Couldn't do it. It would be rejected. Do you get that? God wants you well. If you're going to present your body a living sacrifice, it's got to be a good sacrifice. Amen? It should be well. Amen? Yes, ma'am? That's okay. Okay. This is when I talk like Jesus, according to your faith. Be it unto you, because that's exactly what it comes down to. And so, and because we don't comment on people's medicine and things like that, um, it's, okay, let me put it this way. If I took your medicine, it would affect me adversely. If I put on somebody's glasses, it would affect me adversely. Amen? Why? Because a well body reacts adversely to medicine that's put in. Because your body does everything the medicine's supposed to be doing. So when they do that, they're actually giving you stuff that you're, you know, it should be what your body's already producing. But a lot of the medicine they give you, your body wouldn't produce it. It's smarter than that. So, <laughs> so <laughs> whenever your body is well, your body will reject whatever medicine or it will cause an adverse side effect. So that's a good way to tell sometimes, yeah, the, the healing is actually taking place because the medicine actually caused a reaction. At that point, generally people will go to the doctor and go, why does this make me feel this way? He goes, oh, well, in a rare case, he might actually say, you don't need it anymore. Hmm, something's happened. So that's the way. Now, because, you know, I'm not going to, everybody, you know, there have been too many people that have heard a testimony. So-and-so did this, they quit doing this, and then and they got healed. And then somebody hear that and go, oh, okay, I'm going to do that too, and then they die. So the key is, you have to know, I'm, this is done. I'm sorry. See, if I can talk you out of your healing, if I could convince you that you're still sick, <clears throat> then you're not solid in your healing. And that's what the devil does. He comes and tries to talk you out of your healing. He tries to tell you, well, you, you still got that pain. You still got this going on. How do you know you're healed? Well, uh, believe it or not, uh, pain doesn't prove you're sick. Right? Uh, not just from the spiritual side. But there, there are times you can have pains and things going on, and doctors can't even tell you why. There's a lot of things doctors can't tell you why. You know, well, I can't even diagnose what you got. But they don't, that doesn't stop them from charging you for the non-diagnosis. But, but they tell you, I can't, even, I, I can't even tell you what you got. And usually whenever they can't diagnose something, it's usually because it is spiritual. <clears throat> because if it is physical, they ought to be able to find it, maybe fix it, I don't know, but they ought to be able to find it anyway. But if they can't find anything wrong, but there's still a problem, it's spiritual. Right? And that is usually demonic. It's usually along those lines. And that's whenever you go after these things. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. All right, we're good? All right. So we are going to participate in communion. So if we have our team that can come and help, they're going to help serve you as you come forward. And I'm sure they have this all worked out of how we're going to do it. Because <laughs> if they ask me, I change it every time we turn around. So, <laughs> but... So now we're going to pray, and then you're going to come up. I assume they're going to start you, I guess, back to the back, and then come around. Is that right? Okay. So as that happens, they're going to come forward. And if you will, 
go ahead and take the elements, but hold on to them. We're all going to participate at the same time. So just hang on to them, go back to your seat, and then just wait till we've all been served, and then we will uh, receive it together. Amen? All right. And you begin to worship. Set yourself. Be ready. When I take this, I'm healed. Uh, when I drink this, sins, I know they're gone. Amen? Just set yourself now in Jesus' name. Father, we bless you. We thank you for the privilege of even speaking of your son. Father, we know that that must have been a horrible time for you to see your son on that cross. Just as it would be for any of us. Father, we know that everything Jesus did, the scourging, the beatings, everything, everything he took, he did not deserve any of it, but he took it for us. And everything he took, he did for us so that we don't have to take it. We know that by his stripes we were healed. We know that by those nails, by his blood being poured out, that we can be free. Father, you said in your word that at the very end, just at the end of Jesus' physical life on this earth, while he was on that cross, it said that to fulfill the scripture, he said, I thirst. Because he knew that he had to thirst so that we would never have to thirst again. That if we drink, the water he gave we can know the reality that he satisfies to the fullest and that after he knew that everything was accomplished that it was a done deal then he uttered those (laughs) three words it is finished Father today as we participate in what is known as the Lord's table. My prayer is that your people will know the reality of it is finished. Thank you, Lord. That they're suffering physical ailments and suffering the mental anguish, the suffering from sin and the addictions and the all the oppression of the enemy that it is finished and that we are free. So Father, we remember your son. We remember what he did for us. And just as on that night when he took the bread, he said, this is my body broken for you. And he said, take it, eat it. So we participate. we recognize right now that with this bread that it's by his stripes that our healing was purchased and now in remembrance and discerning that body that was broken for us 
we receive our healing. Because by his stripes, we were healed. And we agree. And we say our sickness, our disease, it is finished. And after he had supped, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Poured out for the remission of sins, many. And that with this blood, we recognize that this juice recognizes and, and represents his blood. And that with it, we celebrate our freedom. Just as the Israelites celebrated coming out of Egypt and out of bondage, we come out of the wilderness and into the kingdom of his dear son. And we receive forgiveness of sin, remission of sin, and total freedom from all the works of the enemy because he has no place in our life and we no longer need to obey him. We have a new master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Partake. Father, we thank you for the privilege to participate in your table. And Father, right now, we just say, let it be so. According to us, according to your word. So Father, we thank you right now. And my earnest desire is that every believer, every one of your children, would truly know and understand your love for them. And that that is what this table is all about. And by this table, we recognize not just the price that was paid, but the result of the price. That result being our freedom, physically, spiritually, but even more so, our perfect, constant union with Jesus Christ. Our union together with Him. One. So, Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we receive all that you have for us. We want to leave nothing undone in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if there was something you could not do physically, do it now. Because this, this was a New Testament early church healing service. Because they didn't feel they had to go to a man they had the mediator, Jesus Christ. And that's the essence of Christianity, that you don't have to go through somebody else to get the blessings of God, but you are dynamically connected and in union with God himself. That is a privilege that only Christians know. That's why it's our responsibility to bring that message to the rest of the world. So that they too can be free, truly free, not through psychology or philosophies, but whom the Son sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this powerful teaching. For more information about John G. Lake Ministries, you can locate us on the internet at jglm.org 
or you can call us at 469-209-0946. Until next time, may you be a hearer and doer of the Word of God.